0: If you're like me, you've discovered that the best women's bike clothing comes from smaller, women-owned businesses. In this episode of the Fem Cyclist podcast, I interview Cassie Abel, who's the co-founder of Wild Rye. And in a future episode this season, I'll be chatting with Jen Kriske, who's the founder of Machines for Freedom. What really sets these companies apart is that their clothes are created by women who found that the big companies just weren't creating clothing for women that were comfortable, functional, and attractive. These ladies have actually listened to women like you and I to discover what we want. And they've recognized, for instance, that not all women on bikes are a size 4. Whether you've been considering purchasing a pair of shorts from Wild Rye or you're just interested in a badass woman who's creating her own space in the male-dominated cycling industry, you'll enjoy my conversation with Cassie. She's an inspiring businesswoman and a new mom trying to balance it all, something many of us can relate to. She's also the first person I've talked to who's actually had COVID, which I found really interesting to hear about as well. Wherever you are, whether you're about to hop onto the trainer for a ride or you're sitting in your car on the way to work, I hope you enjoy this interview. It's coming up right after the intro. You're listening to the Femme Cyclist Podcast, and I'm your host, Kristen Bonkowski. Like most of you, I'm a bicycle-obsessed rider and sometimes racer. Each week, I'll bring you interviews from inspiring women and offer tips and tricks to help you thrive on the bike. At Fem Cyclist, we celebrate all forms of riding and all forms of women. So whether you're a road racer, bike commuter, or hardcore shredder, you'll find your tribe here. So let's go ahead and start out by having you just tell us all a little bit about yourself. Who is Cassie?
1: So I'm Cassie, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Wild Rye. Wild Rye is a women's mountain apparel brand that's dedicated to crafting both beautiful and technical mountain apparel for women that fits, inspires confidence and encourages more women to get outside. Outside of work, I'm a new mom. I live in the mountains of Sun Valley, Idaho. I'm a mountain enthusiast, I'm a mountain biker, I'm a skier, I love to camp, I just love to be outside. That's me in a nutshell.
0: Are you from Sun
1: Valley originally? I am partially from Sun Valley. I went to elementary school here for a year. I'm originally from Vashon Island, an island outside of Seattle, and actually spent my middle and high school years commuting by a ferry boat. Very
0: unusual childhood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're actually semi-neighbors now because I am in Boise. Oh, you are? I didn't know that. Yeah. So we were in Salt Lake and just literally moved like two days ago. So now we are in Boise. Oh,
1: that's so cool. Well, you have to come to Sun Valley and visit me. because, of course. I just read somewhere that there was like a statistic about dates that are having more people coming than leaving. Yeah. And, you know, it was all around like a couple percentage points here and there. And Idaho is like 192% of people coming versus leaving. So... (laughs) Yes. yes. Idaho's growing
0: fast. Discovered the hard way when we've been trying to buy a house that there's oh, no house to be bought. But <laughs> so, when did you start mountain biking?
1: Let's see. Well, I've been on bikes my whole life. My dad is an avid road cyclist. When we lived in Sun Valley, he did a bunch of mountain biking and got me really just like cruising around on dirt roads. So, as a little kid, we went to Moab for spring vacation when I was eight. And then I didn't really mountain bike, actually, until I was close to 30. I played lacrosse all through high school and college and other team sports, soccer, basketball, you name it. And that was pretty much my focus. I got back into skiing after college and then discovered mountain biking when I moved from San Francisco back to Idaho. Yeah,
0: I think that's one of the cool things about mountain biking is it does seem like a sport you can take up at any point in your life. No, you don't have to start at like age three, like kind of skiing. I feel like skiing is harder to learn as an adult. <laughs>
1: I completely agree. I mean, it hurts. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: During, learning to mountain bike as an adult, it definitely comes with its own ch- set of challenges. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, no question about it. It's one of those sports you can take up at any point, whenever it's the right time in your life.
0: So how did Wild ride come about? How was that born?
1: So I was in-house at Smith Optics as their global communications manager
0: leading which up is to Sun the, Valley, right is that why which you was, there?
1: it was based in Sun Valley. And then yeah. Smith announced that they were going to be relocating. I spent the next six months after that announcement, trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do because Smith was literally my dream job. I did a case study on Smith when I was a senior in college on my senior thesis. And I was absolutely heartbroken because I always dreamed of ending up back in Sun Valley and working for Smith and Yeah, I felt like the carpet had been ripped out from underneath me. Anyways, long story short, I ended up staying in Sun Valley and having to figure out what I was going to do with myself. It led to me starting a PR and marketing consulting business called White Cloud Communication. And through that, I was reconnected via a ski industry friend to a woman I'd known during my San Francisco days. She had this idea that women deserved better options. I couldn't have agreed more, having attended just about every industry event across all categories of outdoor and action sports. Um, During my time at Smith, there were just really cool brands for men popping up, but nothing for women. So Katie came from Specialized Bicycle Components and I was just leaving Smith. And so we decided to partner on this endeavor to bring women a better option. And we found that the biggest hole in all of our Industry travels was in the mountain bike space or the cycling space in general. If you'd ever attended interbike as a female, you were, (laughs) I mean, minority of the population doesn't even do that justice. You know, up until recently, half the brands were using booth girls, which basically was scantily clad women trying to attract other dudes to walk into Hmm. your booth. And so those booth girls seem to outnumber the actual women working in the industry and represented by the industry so we launched wild rye in august 2016 actually under the name buttermilk mountain apparel we about a week after launching received a cease and desist order because the name was under a blanket trademark that we missed (laughs) Uh, in the trademark process and so we had about a week to choose a new name and redesign our branding before we needed to submit our artwork for our winter trims. So after a week of a lot of stress, came up with Wild Rye and frankly are much happier with the name. So it's more fitting of the brand.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot. You obviously had a little bit of background with Smith. Did you have any like supply chain experience or apparel experience before doing this? (laughs) <laughs> now, yeah. I'm a marketing
1: person, marketing communications person. Katie had a little bit more. She's an, She has a PhD in art history and she had spent more time in like operations side of the business and special projects. So she'd kind of worked across a lot of things when she was at Specialized. She obviously Specialized had a soft goods department. So she had some resources she could lean on to... Gain information and you know some connections and whatnot, but no, we were pretty much the blind la- leading the blind and uh, <laughs> we had some I don't know if they were our fault or our factory's fault, but we had some serious mishaps that first summer. What makes wild rye unique? A lot of things, in my opinion. We are dedicated to crafting apparel that's like extremely durable and can stand up to the test of the women who are sending it the hardest but also aim to have a more approachable vibe. So our colors are like lack of overly logoed apparel, our more contemporary style. So we're this like sort of strange blend of super super bombproof apparel but that also has uh contemporary shapes and, you know, I don't know, just like speaks to women in a way that a lot of bike industry brands do not <laughs> in my opinion. I've seen that Um, to be
0: true. Like when I've been wearing the piece that you sent me, the frill short, I get so many ladies who come up to me and say, oh, this is the cutest. Mm -hmm. Where did you get this? I've never seen anything like these shorts. And so, yeah, I think it's just obvious, like the response you get out on the trail that this is so unique and different from what we normally see. Yeah, 100%. You know, I
1: think another thing that's unique to us, especially for a U.S. brand is that we're a four-season brand. So we really, really, really shine in the mountain bike space and our spring-summer category, but we also have base layer sort of winter soft goods category. So we're a four-season brand that transcends beyond the bike industry. So, you know, I think it's more common in Europe to have brands that are bike summer and like ski-oriented in the winter, but less common here in the States. So I think that's another thing that's fairly unique about us Yeah. And then finally, like, I mean, our dedication to community, we, from a brand conversation perspective, like we talk about the real shit that women talk about on, Mm -hmm. on their rides and in real life. I mean, we did a whole, whole mother's day piece on industry women and how they honestly found the courage to get back on their bike after like their undercarriage was absolutely shredded from having a baby.
0: Right. (laughs) I mean,
1: like that is a real issue and something that people think about, like trying to sit on a saddle again after giving birth is scary, (laughs) totally, (laughs) a little daunting. And so that's just one example of how we, how we like to, you know, I don't know, like say the things that maybe other people aren't willing to come out and say from a brand perspective, but they are the topics that you talk about on the trail with your friends and fellow riders.
0: So going back to that for a moment, you're a mom now. How old is your little one? He just turned eight months. Congratulations on that, first of all, because that's super exciting. How long did you wait until after he was born to get back on the bike? I was on my bike after about
1: three months. So he was born end of December, December, January, February yeah, so sometime in March, maybe in April, I'm not sure. okay, exactly. But it was about three, three and a half months, and I was really out of shape. I was really heavy compared to what I'm used to. and it was mm-hmm. but I honestly, like getting back on my bike made me feel more like myself than I had in a really long time.
0: Yeah, that's how it was for me. It was like the only time really I felt like myself, because you become this totally new person when you become a mom, right? And so it was like Mm -hmm. this little window back into who I was before having a baby. And I felt that very strongly. I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, it was super energizing. I was like, okay, like (laughs) there's still pieces of the old me left. And as time passes, more and more of that comes back. But you're living in such a dark space those first few months totally sleep deprived your body just feels completely out of whack you're trying I mean this was my first and so trying to figure out how to communicate with this like blob that like needs you to survive but can't communicate what it needs yeah and yeah it was a it was a challenging time for me for sure
0: And then you got a pandemic on top of it too. Yeah. And then I actually had COVID. So, did you (laughs) really?
1: I had a two and a half month old kid and I was sick as a dog for like three weeks. Yeah. And completely exhausted. Not only because I wasn't sleeping through the night due to my kid, but because I had extreme fatigue from COVID. So, yeah. How are you doing with that now? I'm um, pretty darn close to feeling 100% like myself again, but it was a long, long road. My lungs felt like they had dust in them for weeks, for months after after first falling victim to COVID. So I don't recommend it.
0: That's crazy. You're actually the very first person I've talked to who's actually had it. Really? <laughs> really, Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Here in Sun Valley,
1: we were one of the original hotspots. Yeah. So. I, I
0: remember that we were because w- we lived in Park City area and it was the same there. That was like the ski towns that really totally. took off at first. Yeah. Yeah. And so pretty much everyone I know
1: had some version of it or at least someone in their family had it. It was kind of crazy and pretty devastating. I know a few people that didn't. Make it through the en- other end, and oh wow! Not that that's what we're here to talk about. But yeah, wear your mask, people.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. How has, other than personally having COVID, how has the pandemic affected your business? It's been insane. So, take us back to March. Everything was
1: shutting down. I had COVID myself. Our website got hacked. There was a whole lot of like spam and like phishing going on right when the pandemic really hit here. So as a totally brain fog new mom with COVID, I fell victim to a scam and our website was hacked and the hackers took out a $5,000 Shopify capital loan. And oh my gosh. Against us, that we ultimately got sorted, in addition, we had a few major retailers suggesting they might be canceling really big purchase orders that we very significantly planned around. So March was pretty devastating, and it was yeah. paralyzing. I didn't know how to talk to our community and our customers. It just nothing felt right and then I feel like a fog lifted in April, and I found my words. we found ways to support the efforts. We launched a campaign called Masks for Mountain Town. So every order contributed to donate masks to organizations in need across like our mountain communities who are being hit really, really hard. And I feel like, I don't know, the world kind of shifted. People started going outside again. People started buying bicycles like crazy. And so from April on, like we've had just an incredibly successful year from a business standpoint we've exceeded expectations month after month. People regularly ask me what I think that's due to and I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic and people getting outside but also I think a lot of it had to do with 4 years of really hard work and building a brand that people wanted to support during this challenging time. So Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's been incredible. We've had a, a great year and I feel very fortunate that we're in the industry that we're in because I know that not all brands are <laughs> yes. seeing this success during this time yes. and, and my heart goes out to them because that's just I mean I saw a flash of that potential and it was devastating so right?
0: I think that also as an entrepreneur I've just you know feel so horrible for people through no fault of their own have had such mm-hmm. huge impacts to their business and you just assume that if you do all the right things that it'll work out and in this case yeah necessarily right
1: no, yeah. yeah, the world has evil tricks to play on all of us these yeah. days. So
0: it has been really cool though to see this huge bike boom and just to see so many people out on bikes for the first time or out mm-hmm. on bikes, like more than they ever have before in their life. So that has been the totally. one silver lining that I've seen.
1: Totally. Well, another thing that's interesting, and I mean, this is, I didn't, ride that much last summer because I was pregnant actually barely at all and then the summer before that I just had a a crazy summer for many many reasons and didn't get out on my bike as much but coming back this summer I've just been blown away by the number of like women on the trails and that's been the coolest thing for me Is just every time I'm out I feel like I see more women than men and groups of women and women of all levels women of all ages like it's just I mean, this is why Wild Rye exists. And it's yeah. really cool to see that women are getting out there and they're exploring on bikes. And yeah, I mean, there's no snigger There's so much less stigma around like, if I'm not the best, I don't belong. And that's really cool because that's what we're here for. And yeah, we really want to encourage women to get out there and not feel pressure to be the best or to summit peaks or stand on podiums if that's not their jam. Yeah. Women just getting out there, enjoying the fresh air and spending time with friends and trying new things. So 1,000%. I don't know, if that, was, yeah. <laughs> don't know yeah. if that was coherent at all, but... oh, no, totally. Yes. That was beautiful, actually.
0: <laughs> so back to Wild Rye, can you tell us a little bit about your supply chain? i So like after I did my review, which I'm actually all linked to in the show notes too for everybody listening. But after I did that, the only negative feedback I got was about your shorts not being made in the U.S. But I know Mm -hmm. that you guys really have tried to do a lot in terms of sustainability in your supply chain. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: So I want to address the U.S. thing first. We launched our brand 100% U.S. Made and anyone who's lived in the supply chain and the any <laughs> anyone from major brands out there knows what i'm talking about but manufacturing in the us is incredibly challenging we found the number of mistakes that the us factories made was absolutely like unrecoverable we lost so much money trying to get product made in the us the quality was not at all up to our standards. Mm. We're working with really expensive fabrics. So to be working with those fabrics, super technical fabrics in the US is pretty much unheard of unless you want to be paying $400 a pop for short. So, you know, we genuinely tried and we found that the quality of the communication, the quality of our product, the quality of price point for our customers, the only way to have it done was to make them overseas. So that said, we work with really selective factories. We work with factories who are super dedicated to a clean supply chain, who have super ethical working standards. And that's something that's super important to us. I mean, as we're continuing to grow every year, we're more and more dedicated to finding materials with recycled components or natural fibers. And it's not easy, no question, but I think it's easy for people to poo-poo brands that aren't made in the U.S. But there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes that it's important for people to start to understand because yeah, maybe it's not important for them to understand, but it is the reality. And you know, we are a small brand. We have zero outside funding. And so when our chamois shorts showed up from our U.S. manufacturer that first summer with the leg band sewn on inside out we were shit out of luck. Like we had to pay out of our pockets to have them re-sewn by seamstresses in California the right way because our factories were so non-communicative. They didn't follow our tech packs and, you know, it almost sank us. So anyways, that's the backstory on why we do manufacture overseas. But yeah, what specifically do you want to know about our supply chain?
0: (laughs) No, just what have you done to make sure that
1: it's sustainable? So I think honestly, and I've read a lot of articles recently, one of the biggest things is our shorts are bomb-proof. They're so durable. Yes. They're intended to last a lifetime so they don't end up in landfills. There are a lot of bike shorts out there that get shredded after a couple months and you know, get holes in them. I've eaten shit so hard, pardon my language, (laughs) so hard on like chip-sealed roads in my free shorts and ripped my skin apart but not even a blemish on my shorts. I think that is the best thing we do from a sustainability standpoint is make a product that lasts, that you don't need to like just discard when it it no longer works because it will work for a really long time. And then like I was saying, you know, we are super proactive in looking for materials that are either recycled or have natural fibers. But again, I go back to a durable product is Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do.
0: I gotta say, my favorite thing about them too is not just the durability, but the fact that they stayed clean. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I just keep wearing them like over and over. I'll wear a clean chamois, but like, I don't feel any need to wash them if they don't look dirty. So that's really cool to me. I'm not a big fan of (laughs) laundry. Oh
1: God. No, me neither.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That's another really good point.
1: You're saving water by not washing those shorts over and over again, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, they are designed to basically just be able to brush them off. I mean, yeah. Obviously, there are extremely muddy circumstances where that may not be the case. But in general, riding in the West, you can just brush off the dirt and the splashes and you're good to go for another ride.
0: What's your favorite piece or print?
1: Oh, gosh, that's really hard. <laughs> um, I mean, the Friel is 100% my favorite piece in our line. Uh-huh. Um, it's become our flagship product. It's so durable. I love the fabric. You know, it's honestly like nothing that most people have felt in the bike industry. We actually do get a lot of people not quite sure that they're going to like the frill because it does feel different than your average mountain bike short. But then once people get out on the trail in it, they realize like just how breathable and durable and how much you don't really even notice that you're wearing it because it's such a nice fabric. And it moves with you. In terms of favorite print, that's really tough. Honestly, I'm already looking to spring 22, so (laughs) some of my favorite prints are future prints that that aren't aren't seen yet.
0: (laughs) Uh Well, that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I wanted to point out for everybody listening to is that your shorts go up to a size 18, which I think is somewhat unique and unusual. I see a lot of shorts that do not go nearly as big as that. Do you maybe talk a little bit about that, about just why you guys have chosen to offer so many sizes? I mean,
1: we launched with the intention of being an incredibly inclusive brand and that is across all categories. So your skill level, your frequency of participation, and that extends into all shapes and sizes of women. And diversity is something that we're still working towards as well. But yeah, I mean, extending that size range, I mean, I think the outdoor industry has done a very mediocre job of creating technical product that actually works for women. And as the average size of women has grown, the outdoor industry hasn't completely caught up to that. So it's just really important that we're able to accommodate a wider range of women. And it's expensive to have 10 sizes in every color. Yeah. <laughs> so we weren't able to launch it day one, but it was something we are always working towards and we'll always continue to look for ways that we can continue to be more inclusive and support women however they play outside.
0: So you've touched a little bit earlier, like on interbike and no female Mm -hmm. representation or poor female representation. How has it been, like once you actually got your business up and running, how has it been woman working in an industry that's so heavily male-dominated? Honestly, it doesn't bother me at
1: all. I've been in and around the industry for a long time. Yeah, Yeah, it it wasn't like new to me to be a minority. Uh (laughs) So. It's fine. And like, I love my male colleagues. They're amazing. And, you know, all the men that I've worked with through the industry overall and while I was at Smith. And, you know, I have no problem working in a male heavy environment whatsoever. But I think something that is a little different with Wild Rise one, we haven't really attended that many industry events. We haven't done trade shows. We haven't yet made it to Sea Otter. We actually were thinking about going this year and then COVID hit. So, we haven't so much been like in the thick of it. We've done some outer bikes and those have been awesome and very male heavy. But I think the industry is starting to appreciate the women who are there and do show up and are trying to welcome more people. Because honestly, as we welcome more women into the sport of mountain biking, it's better for everyone. And I think the bigger brands are starting to see that. And the more male dominated brands are starting to see that, that like women, one, we spend money. Right, that's <laughs> we spend right. spend money on the things we care about. And it hasn't really been too much of an issue for me personally. You know, that's after years of growing some thick skin and right. not being afraid to say my piece when someone says something that I don't appreciate or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatnot. So. so that
0: thick skin and like obviously this... Confidence you have that you've created this amazing business. Do you think you've always had that confidence, or is that something that you've developed over time? No, I definitely have not always had that confidence at all, and I would say
1: I still don't have it every day. <laughs> I was painfully shy, you know, in middle school, like painfully shy. Yeah, like didn't speak painfully shy.
0: Oh wow! But
1: I played team sports all through, well, pretty much my whole life through college and even beyond, and I think that. That was like an area that really helped fuel my confidence. And then as I got back into, I mean, I've skied my whole life. I've been on bicycles my whole life. Like that's always been a place where I felt confident. And so tying that to my business has enabled me to believe in myself. (laughs) Not every day, but most days. (laughs) Honestly, the confidence comes from really believing in what we're doing. I just think that there's absolutely a need for Wild Rye. And yeah, that's not about me. That's about being confident in the brand and what we stand for. And that gives me a lot of confidence, just knowing that we're doing something that's needed, that's wanted, that's doing good, it's a brand cool. that stands for something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So,
0: so one thing that you've also worked on is helping support other women and you've created a Women-Led Wednesday. Can you talk a little bit about that? Almost... Two years ago,
1: I launched a campaign called Women Led Wednesday. And the idea was to encourage people to use their collective purchasing power to support women led brands. And the intention of that is to ultimately create a more gender balanced economy. It's been no secret that Fortune 500 boards and C suites are heavily dominated by men. And so I saw this as an opportunity you know, women aren't as inherently good at asking for money. It's part that imposter syndrome and yeah. confidence in part, just not having the same networks and a million reasons. But anyways, I just saw this as a proactive way to support women in leadership. And so we're about to kick off this, the lead-up to our third annual Women-Led Wednesday campaign. And Women-Led Wednesday is an annual shopping holiday, much like Small Business Saturday. Uh, it takes place a Wednesday before Thanksgiving every year. And the idea is just to support women-led brands on that day. Do your, your holiday shopping with women-led brands. We've also created a brand directory that allows you to sort by category and learn more about the behind the scenes of these women-led brands through our women-led brand directory. I think we have close to 350, we're actually over 350 brands at this point and are welcoming new brands daily to the initiative. So yeah, check it out, (laughs) womenledwednesday.com.
0: Very good. Are there any other cycling brands in there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Treadly, Machines for Freedom. I, I'm sure there are others. I'd, have to, <laughs> I'd okay. have to rack my brain. But yeah, definitely check it out. There's ski brands, cycling brands. Yeah, there's a whole collection of outdoor and active lifestyle brands that are worth Very checking cool. out.
0: Yeah, we're doing an interview with Jen from Machines for Freedom also. Awesome. Jen is amazing. Cool. Absolutely. Cool. So much respect for, for Jen. So I've got three final questions, but before that, where can people shop for Wild Rye gear? Wild
1: Rye is available online at wild-rye.com. We also sell through REI, through Evo, Competitive Cyclists, Title IX, and a lot of local specialty retailers. The list goes on. <laughs> is there check a list? Our, check out our dealer locator on our website
0: if That's you what don't want to shop ask. online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very so cool. Okay, so three final questions. The first one is what is your favorite place you've ever ridden your bike?
1: Hmm. Actually, that shouldn't be a hard question. Captain Ahab and Moab. That ride just kicks my butt every time, but it's rideable, and I learn something new. I clear something new every time I ride that ride. I also got engaged on that ride, so it's a very special ride for me. Yeah, I think that is my favorite ride. What kind of bike or bikes
0: do you ride?
1: I'm currently on a Santa Cruz Hightower, and I have my eye on the new Pivot Switchblade.
0: Oh, very good. And final question is, what do you love most about riding your bike? I
1: love that I'm always a student. I love to learn and I love to find ways to get better at things. And there's one thing for sure. I'm always going to have room for improvement on my bicycle. And it's something that like every time I go out, I feel like I learn something new or I try something new. I clear something new. So, I love that it enables me to be a student of life.
0: Curious about Wild Rye after listening to that interview? Make sure to check out my review of the Wild Rye Frill Short and the Wild Rye Sandia Jersey. I've included a link to that review in the show notes. I've also included the links to some of the places you can shop for Wild Rye, and some of those are affiliate links, which means if you click on one and end up buying anything, Femme Cyclist makes a commission on the sale at no cost to you. That's how we make money and keep FemCyclist up and running, so we appreciate your support. We've got a bunch of exciting interviews and topics coming up this season, many of which were actually requested by you all, So make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Until next time, I hope you're getting in some great rides and staying safe and healthy. Love you all.